and those who followed them in the proper manner Allah Ta'ala is pleased with them and they are pleased with Allah Ta'ala that the certificate of the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala has been awarded to them already while they walked on the face of this earth this is that certificate which the general Jannati will be given only Jannat Allah Ta'ala will address the Jannatis and say to them that today now I announce my pleasure for you and I will never ever become displeased with you it is mentioned in the hadith that the Jannatis will get so delighted with this that this will be the biggest bounty that they would have received even beyond all the bounties of Jannat that Allah Ta'ala's pleasure is now permanent for them that bounty which the Jannatis will receive in Jannat in general the Sahaba received while walking on the face of this earth and among them is the personality of Hazrat Asma then the second thing we need to keep in mind is that there were many many situations that came up in the life of the Sahaba Ikram many occurrences that happened but we should not look at some of these things as if these people were no better than us Nauzubillah Deen had to be perfected and the laws of Deen had to be displayed and therefore the lives of the Sahaba Kiram were presented by themselves for the laws of Deen to be enacted upon them and for the various situations to be lived so that the Ummah could take a lesson because Allah Ta'ala has already declared His love for them, declared His forgiveness for them Nobody else has this great privilege. So we should never ever, when listening to any event in the lives of the Sahaba any occurrence, any incident in their lives, never ever think that this is something no different to us. No, this it's worlds apart. They had presented their lives for whatever it was meant to be done, and whatever had to be enacted, whatever had to be uh, fulfilled so that the Ummah could learn how is this supposed to be done. In the life of Rasulullah there was an occasion or two where by chance, totally by chance, he missed his Salah. He overstepped totally by chance and Allah made it happen so that the Ummah would learn how is Qaza to be performed then. Allah made it happen. On one two rare occasions this happened. So likewise, certain things was not conducive for the rank of Ru'ad. It was not appropriate for the rank of Ru'ad that these things be done from Rasulullah The Sahaba presented their lives. So you'll find a very rare and odd occasion where somebody stole. And then that lady's hand was cut off. You'll find that somebody got in a moment caught up in a sin and Nabi Sallallahu then gave the instruction that this person must be stoned to death. But when that person was being stoned to death also, Nabi Islam declared that he, he has made such a toba that if it had to be distributed among all the people of Madinah Munawwara, the toba will suffice for everybody. So what we understand from this is that they were those who sacrificed their lives for deen and for the laws of deen to be displayed also so that the ummah could learn how these laws are to be implemented and what is the way of going about this. So Asma coming to her life, we find many many things in her life which so to say she presented her life for people later on to learn how to lead a life despite whatever challenges one may face. So if we look into her life before taking some of the specific incidents, you'll find that her life was one full with challenges. This is something which every person nowadays, this is on the tongue of every person. Then I've got a problem. Anything, any turn you take, this is probably the most used word in this time and age, problem. And indeed, people have all kinds of problems. Dunya is a place of problem. So problems, worries, anxieties, stresses, challenges, and depression, and whatever else, all that goes with it, and from one crisis to another sometimes people are living their lives but the issue is that in all these challenges in all these crises unfortunately we find we become overwhelmed 
it leads us to depression and despondency. But here is a woman who is surrounded by challenges. As we explained, that her life from beginning to end was a life of challenge. Before Islam, she had been the had been in a living in a broken home. It was before Islam, and this happened that her father was Abu Bakr her mother something didn't work out, so he divorced her. So now she was living without her mother, she was living with her father. Then the father remarried, so she was living with a stepmother. This itself becomes a very big challenge for many. Then very early in her life, she then accepted Islam. It was a time when the Muslims were being severely persecuted. And anybody becoming a Muslim at that time was putting their life on the line. She became a Muslim at that time and she also had to bear these difficulties. Then she got married, but somehow because of the natures being different, there were challenges and some turbulence in her marriage. Time came when even she became divorced. Then she had to bear to see the martyrdom of her son when she was almost 100 years old. Can we imagine an old lady, 100 years old, and at that time, such a person is looking for the support of their children, and here she is actually having to send her son out to become a martyr. And then she is in that situation where she has to have an encounter with the worst tyrant of the time. The king or the ruler of the time was somebody else, but he was the governor, Hajjad bin Yusuf, who was the notorious tyrant, and she had to have this encounter with such a tyrant. But in all these various situations, she withstood the challenges of the time, and she remained perseverant, she remained steadfast, and that is the inspiration that she has now provided for the Ummah. This is the purpose of this discussion, that we be inspired by these people, they were also human beings. They did not fall from the sky, they were not made of something else, they were not made of rock and steel, they were also human beings like us. They also had emotions like we have, they also had feelings, they also felt pain, they also were afflicted with grief and sorrow. They, all the things that we feel they felt, they were no different in that regard. But despite that, they were people who had courage. They were people who had great inner strength. And they looked, despite all these challenges, in a way that their lives became an inspiration to others. So on the one hand, this to now come to her personality itself. In passing, we have already mentioned that she was the daughter of such a great personality, Sayyidina Abu Bakr She was the sister of Hazrat Aisha Siddiqah her husband, Hazrat Zubayd bin Awwam, he was one of the Ashara and Mubashara. And then her son, Abdullah bin Zubayr, he had for a period of time been the Khalifa of the Muslims also. Now, can we imagine such a personality who is in the midst of all these great people? On the one hand, her father, the greatest of the Ummah, then her sister, the most beloved wife of Rasulullah. And then her husband among the Ashara Mubashara, Hassan Abdullah bin Zubayr regarding whom the Islam gave so many glad tidings. So she had all these credits to herself, but despite that, she did not think anything of herself that I am beyond everybody else. She was still a humble servant of Allah and she conducted herself in this manner. She was about 14 years of age when she accepted Islam at that difficult time. Her mother did not accept Islam, so that was also an issue that she had to live with. But she saw the truth and this was her courage. That despite on the one hand her mother not accepting Islam, in this early stage people are being persecuted for their deen, but she still accepted Islam. The lesson we learn in this is that we have small little challenges for us to fulfill the laws of Allah Sometimes somebody is not happy about them doing something of deen. From time to time we get this kind of issue coming up. I want to adopt further, my mother is not allowing me to do so. One person writes, 
I want to perform my salah, my mother doesn't want me to perform my salah. She says, no, your career is first. And you are getting too deep in all this, your career is going to get jeopardized. All these are unfortunate and tragic realities of the time. But we need to learn this lesson and take this inspiration from Hazrat Asma'ala. Her mother refuses to accept Islam. Whoever is accepting Islam is being persecuted. They are actually putting their life in danger. At the age of 14, she undertakes whatever the talent is and she has seen the truth. So therefore she lives up to the truth. Whatever it is, that will happen. But I cannot forsake my deen. I cannot stay away from the truth. This is a lesson that we need to take from her life, from this very early stage of her life. In any case, she then, after having Abu Bakr accepted Islam, then this issue happened that he then divorced his wife. So she now had to live with a stepmother without her mother's guidance in her life. This was also a great challenge, but she went through this without having succumbed to the pressure of that time. Later, after she had gone to Madinah Munawwara, once it happened that her mother now came also to Madinah Munawwara after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, when the Kuffar also would come to Madinah Munawwara, the Muslims would come to Makkah Mukarramah because of the treaty, the roads were open now and there wasn't the issue that happened prior to that. <coughs> so her mother came to visit her. Now imagine this is a very emotional moment. This is an emotional moment. It was almost six years that she hadn't seen her mother. A mother is after all a mother. Whatever it is, there is an emotional attachment with one's mother. Six years have passed. And now the mother herself has come. But when the mother came, she did not get washed away in her emotions. That whatever will happen later on, we'll find out about it. First, we do what we want to do. What was her reaction? When her mother came, she first just stopped everything right there. And she sent a message to Rasulullah. That, and then she first that my mother has come, she has some expectations from me. Should I treat her? Should I accommodate her? Should I entertain her? The beast last sent a message, yes, indeed, she is your mother. You should accommodate her, you should entertain her. And it is mentioned in some other narrations that her mother even came along with some gifts. And she immediately asked this question also. Now her mother has come, her mother has come with gifts. But her mother is a mushrika at this point in time. Her mother had not accepted Islam yet. So she is asking Rasulullah that should I entertain her? What about the gifts she has brought? Should I accept the gifts? Nabi Islam then replies and says, yes, accept the gifts also. And you entertain her, she is your mother. And the ayat of the Quran Sharif also is then revealed. Those who have not harmed you in any way, they have not taken you out of your homes, Allah has not forbidden you from being good to them, from being just to them. You be good and kind to them, no problem. But the big lesson we learn in this is that here is a young person. She has already had so many challenges in her life. Here comes her mother after so many years and comes with gifts for her but she does not jump to any conclusions she does not say well this is now my emotion I feel like meeting my mother so I should meet her I love to meet my mother now so I should just meet her and everybody is doing it so I should do it also no nothing of the sort first is to inquire is this the right thing it was right there was no problem with it but she wasn't sure so she did not first do the action and then find out. She first found out. Whereas this is such an emotional thing. Let alone emotional issues, just merely fashion issues. We wear something and then ask, if that is, if we ask, is this the right thing to have worn? We go to venues and places and functions and whatever else and then ask. That is also if we do ask, was this the right thing to have worn for such a function? 
where there was contemplation taking place, things is horrible, wedding taking place, and the boy is coming inside, and everything is happening. Is this the right place to have been? Was that the right thing to do? That is, even if we ask, otherwise we don't even ask after the issue also. We don't ask before, we don't even ask after. What we learn from Hazrat Asma'ala, not to get carried away by emotions. Our deen is not a deen of emotion. Our deen is a deen where the emotions are made subservient to intelligence. Emotions will be made subservient to intelligence. We will first think carefully. But our intelligence will be made subservient to the command of Allah. When there is a clear command of Allah, then we don't use our intelligence in the front of the command of Allah. Then we submit our intelligence to Allah's command. Whether I understand it or not, what my Rabb has told me, that is it. So, this is the very deep lesson she has taught us that we don't just jump into things first. Something new has come, some new kind of garment, some new style of cloak, some new things are happening in the community, in the society. There's some new customs now, somebody is getting married, so all new kinds of things are happening. And this shower and that shower, Allah knows best what kinds of showers nowadays. Before there was only one kind of shower that we knew about. And now there's some kitchen shower and bridal shower and all these kinds of, these bathil showers. They are showers of zulmat, the showers of darkness that come from all these. Unfortunately, before that nikah has taken off, because there's so many showers of darkness on it, it's already a problem. So, this is something that we need to learn from here, that we first inquire, we first ask, we ask the ulama ikram, and then we do. And then, we would like some things, we would prefer some things, but we are being told that this is not the right thing, then we give, don't give vent to our feelings, we don't start following our desire, we accept what has been told to us. <coughs> On a more broader note, Unfortunately, nowadays we find that people feel that what is the need for us to ask others? We can do all thing. Even in the aspect of the basic laws of deen, why should we be following the imams and the fuqaha? We can do all thing. Despite her rank, despite her knowledge, she is first asking. So who are we? Where do we have any basis to say that we are independent of the fuqaha? We don't need to follow the imams. We can go directly to the Quran and Sunnah. What is the level of our knowledge that we can understand directly what the Quran and Sunnah are saying to us? In any case, as Asma then she then gets married to the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Hazrat Zubair Hazrat Zubair was a very pious person, and as we mentioned, that he had that rank that Rasulullah sallallahu had given him that great glad tidings that he became among the Ashara and Mubashara where on one occasion in one sitting Nabi Sallallahu took ten names and ten Sahaba's names he took and said gave them the glad tidings of Jannah one of these ten people was so he was a very great personality a very great Sahabi of Rasulullah Sallallahu but sometimes there are certain things which are just in somebody's nature. And as a result, sometimes the different natures don't uh, meet with one another. There isn't compatibility in the natures of two people. So as a result, despite the piety of the person, the nature and temperament, because compatibility is not there, it becomes a problem sometimes. There's some turbulence and can lead to some difficulties in a marriage. Unfortunately, this is what happened in this instance. That Zubair was a person who had a very stern nature. This is sometimes just a person's nature. Not that he transgressed the bounds of deen in any way. So therefore, we must not uh, think of these people in our terms. Their situation was that they were well within the limits of Sharia. But in a marriage, two people have to live their lives together. And sometimes when the natures are very different, then this becomes a problem. And this is what happened in this instance. So because of his very stern nature, he was a bit 
hard in terms of not very lenient where there was some leeway he would take the hard line so to say so as a result this created some problems <coughs> then he was not somebody very well off he was poor person as a result Hazrat Asma radiallahu had to undertake all the household chores herself let alone all the household chores even other work which normally would have been done by others she had to undertake for example she had to go to some piece of land which Hazrat Zubair radiallahu owned which Nabi Islam had given him and the date uh, prints that used to be fallen there this had to be picked up from there and brought so she had to carry all this on her head and bring it now this was a distance away <coughs> then this had to be crushed and fed to the horses then the horse was a basic necessity at that time and because also we used to be involved in his work and in the khidmat of deen she had to take care of the horse which was a very difficult task she even says that this was the most difficult task that I had undertaken then she would have to grind the flour herself she would have to go and fetch the water herself all these very difficult tasks in this time and age even maybe a maid would find this difficult even a maid would make, might give up the job if she can find some other job if she is not desperate she wouldn't take such a job and as Asma anha, the daughter of Bakr Siddiq she is undertaking all this task and to the extent that she says that once Nabi when he noticed all this, he then finally there was some slave that came. So he gifted that slave to Hazrat Abu Bakr and asked him to come and give it to Hazrat Asma. So when that slave came, the slave took over the job of the horse. She says it was as if I, I was a slave and I got freed. That this slave took over the job of the horse at home and a few other th- tasks. But the point is that she continued with all these things in her stride. It did not become something that then became a big issue in her life. No, she carried on with this. Yes, in any case, the stern nature of the Zubayr, this was something that she found a little difficult. So as a result, once she came to Hazrat and in the process this came out, after all, it's a father, and <coughs> this will happen sometimes. So she complained about Hazrat Zubair that he's a very stern person and he takes a hard line in many things. Hazrat Abu what is his response? And now this is a lesson for parents. Indeed, sometimes there are very complicated problems, and after having undertaken whatever is possible to mend the situation to overcome the difficulties sometimes everything possible is done but yet things are very complicated that's a different matter altogether but not the kind of situation that unfortunately has come up nowadays that at the first instance the daughter is told well you rather pack your bags and come away and in fact many a times this kind of thing is also heard that the daughter is given this advice, parting advice that even when you have a problem it is a phone call away you just dial a new ring and we come and bring you that kind of advice which is a disastrous advice it is actually advice that is paving the way for our, for us breaking the homes of our children Burdens of dunya, and he is 
teaching her attention towards Akhirat. That life in this world is a very short life. We all have to move on. And the real place is Jannah. So don't take this too seriously. Yes, there is a difficulty. Bear with patience. So in any case, this is how he consoled her and he sent her off. Later on, eventually, because of this incompatibility and things carried on in a turbulent manner, eventually the best thing for both parties was that they part. As a result, as a finally, this divorce took place. This too became a challenge for her, but she took this in her stride as well. But the point is that it was not at the first instant, the first difficulty came and she said, I'm going home. That was not the case. Then came the next stage in her life that in any, just before we go on to the next point, while she was in this situation, and she would be finding this difficult, but she did not just take this as a burden and complain and just regard it as something that now she has to just brood over this. She used ways and means to overcome the situation. She used diplomatic ways <coughs> to bypass the situation. For example, just to understand her manner of handling things. She was a very generous person by nature and she could not see anybody in difficulty. It is mentioned regarding her that she did not keep anything for the next day. Whatever came to her, she spent it. The next day what happened, happened. So once, while she was still married to her, one person came, a very poor person, and he came and he knocked on the door, and he said that, look, I'm a poor person, I have some small odd things to sell, whatever it was, and I want to sit here in the shade of your house, not the house, and the roadside, the wall of the house is the road, both joined to each other. Can I just sit here, and in the shade of the house, I want to sell this, because that's probably the place where people were passing by, so it was more conducive to sell it there. So now she said, look, as a Zubay will come, and he would be upset about this. He is a person who has a lot of self-honor, he cannot tolerate that somebody is sitting by his house like this, where his family is inside. So you don't come here now, you go away. When he comes home, then you come back and you ask permission again from him. In any case, he went away after a short while as a came. This person came back and knocked on the door. And when he knocked on the door, he then asked for permission in the same manner. That look, I'm a poor person. I want to sell some wares outside your house, in the shade of your house. Please, can I do this? So Asma from inside the house says to him that you didn't find anybody else's house but mine. Can't you go to some other place? Now he knew beforehand that he will get the permission, but she asked him to come and ask for the permission. But she now is deliberately responding in this manner, as if she is chasing him away. That you got no other place to go to, you only found my house. <coughs> so Zubir overheard this, so he said to her, why are you doing this? Poor person wants to just sit in the shade of the house and sell some things, you're chasing him away, let him be. So she made this a plan to overcome. She on the one hand wanted to be of help to the person, she knew as Zubair al-Ilam's nature that he would be, he wouldn't be pleased. Some people's nature, they are very sensitive. But she overcame that, she got what she wanted done without uh, letting her Zubair be upset in any way. She got his uh, permission in the process. This person's work got done and she didn't have to face any difficulty about the situation. Now, this was... <coughs> the intelligent way in which she handled the situation. This was the diplomatic way. Now there could have been another way. She could have told that fellow, that person, fine to carry on. When the Zubair comes, she would have wanted to know why is this person sitting here. She would say, I give you permission, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it now? Everybody knows what will be their results. And there will be a big do about it. Now that is what happens. We want to, in our terms, sometimes as we call it, we want to take the bull by the horns. Please understand carefully that this is just an expression. Please don't go and say that the husbands were called bulls. What we are simply saying is that we want to always take the challenge head on. We want to now just, as it comes, say, I don't take no nonsense of anybody. But what 
what is the end result of that? Does that bring any ease to anybody? Does that make life easy for anyone? Whereas it's just a matter of how Hazrat Asmarat is teaching us to just use one's mind, apply one's mind, think of how to sidestep the situation, get the same end result. Get the end result you want in a way without getting any difficulty in the process. But it requires some thinking. It requires a person not to get emotional at that moment. <coughs> it requires that a person does not get carried away by emotions. A person thinks and a person then applies a mind and does something in a way where the end result is achieved without difficulty. Asma she was somebody who, as we said, when she was married to Hazrat Zubayr he was a poor person. So she was living in this time with this financial constraints and she had all these difficulties. Then in that time, prior to that time in fact, when Hazrat Abu Bakr had made hijrat with Rasulullah just one other incident in her life that shows us what a kind of person she was. Rabbi Sallallahu had made hijrat Abu Bakr who accompanied him. When he accompanied him, he took along everything for the khidmat of Rabbi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Hazrat was a young child at that time, she was a young girl, and she was left behind with her sisters and in the care of her grandfather Abu Quhafa. Abu Quhafa at that time was not a Muslim. Now Abu Bakr left on Hijrat, so he came and he says to his granddaughter now that Wallahi inni la'arahu Your father has gone and I can see that he number one has deprived you of his presence and then he deprived you of all the possessions also. He has left you with nothing. Now, this is a very emotional moment again. That she obviously, her father is gone, she knows about this, her father is gone, she has to now be left alone. Then, the difficult times, there's no financial support in any way. And here, the grandfather himself is saying, I see your father has left you in the lurch. This is a moment with a kind of situation where everybody is looking for that emotional crutch to hold on to. And that emotional crutch, when somebody is offering that sympathy, they will play up the situation even more in order to gain greater sympathy. And this is a time when if they are hurt about something, they will run the person down even more. What does her Asmara do? She says to her father, her, her grandfather, Kalla ya Never. He's left a lot for us. Now in those days the coins were not the kind of situation that we have. This flat pebbles would also resemble coins. So she quickly put some flat pebbles in the box that used to be for keeping the money. And then she, but because it's pebbles, you can take out its pebbles, what she did was she put a thick cloth over it. Now her grandfather had been, become blind at that time, he could not see. So she took him, and he's an old man, blind person, she took him to this place where this box is and he knew that this was the box where the money used to be kept. So she put his hand over this cloth. Now it felt like those coins because those coins and we slap pebbles were similar. So it felt like those coins and she is saying to him, don't worry, he is left for us a lot. So when she did this, he felt consoled. After all, it was his granddaughters, so he had this feeling also that on the one hand, his son is gone and his granddaughters have been left without any support. So as a grandfather, he was feeling this pain. But now when he felt this box, he thought, no, there's a lot here. So he felt consoled. It lessened his burden. It lessened his grief. Asma later on says, Wala Allah ma taraka lana by Allah, my father left nothing for us. The only reason I did this was, I wanted to console the old person. 
Now she herself was in this need of this emotional support. She required that emotional crutch to lean on. But at that time, she is not getting washed away in her emotions. She is concerned about keeping others comfortable. She is suppressing her own emotions in order to console the old grandfather. And this is a very big lesson for us. Often there's an elderly person in the home, elderly mother, grandmother, grandfather, whoever, and we bring all the depressive stories of the whole family issues and personal issues and then over and above that the whole world's issues and we come and relate and narrate all these depressive stories to the old people in the home. Now, on the one hand they are elderly, they are sometimes feeble, so as a result they are emotionally also weakened and now we give them all the, they cannot, they are not in a position to do anything and we give them all the depressive stories. Now there are things that keep happening in life, something happens on a daily basis sometimes something happens between couples, something happens between family members, something happens to others, it happens in the uh, broader family, it happens in the world. But why give them these depressive stories? We should be saying things to them that keeps their spirits up, that gives them courage, that gives them, that makes them cheerful, makes them happy. Worse than that is, one is just giving them news which is depressive. Worse than that is sometimes, we will manipulate them because of their emotional situation. Now in order to get our own motives fulfilled, there's something we want done in the house. Now we think how to work on it. Okay, we'll, in our terms, we'll churn out this whole person and get them emotionally worked up. So when they will get emotionally worked up, then they will say some things and they will do some things. As a result, we'll get our work done. Now what a terrible thing this is, this is a kind of uh, manipulation and it is a kind of oppression in fact that we are abusing an old person in order to get our own things done for our motives. That is a very terrible thing to do. She is in need of this support. She is in need of this somebody else consoling her. And this was a time to now say to her father, yes, he left her grandfather, he left nothing for us. Now what are we going to do? And then make a big story about it. He'll get very excited. Maybe he'll go talk to somebody. and Maybe he'll try and sort, sort something out. She didn't put him to all that pressure and stress. She consoled him. No worry. Everything is fine. This is enough for us. And all this was merely to keep him calm, to keep him happy. This is a very big lesson that she's teaching us that we should be concerned about other people's happiness, especially the elderly. And not burden them with our grief, with our worries, rather play it down. Tell them no, nothing, nothing serious. It's small. If they can't do know something also, just play it down. Just wash it out. Let no, nothing serious happen. Don't burden them with our worries. Then, to go on, she had the very good fortune of being of service and treatment to Rasulullah at the time when he made hijrat. We just discussed this issue about Hijrat and Abu Bakr now left. When they left, Asma she prepared the food that they, the provision that they took along. And at that time, these provisions had to be tied and parceled up. There was nothing even like how we use a clock to tie a pot up or something to, so that it stays firm and whatever else needs to be tied with it. So these little provisions, there was nothing to tie it with. She had a little piece of cloth which was as used as a belt, so to say, to keep her garments in place. She said to her father, that this is the only thing I have to tie this provisions together for Rasulullah So he advised her, you tear this into two pieces. One you continue using as your belt, and the other you use it to tie the food and the provisions. So she did this. As a result, Nabi Islam gave her the title Zatun Mitaqain, that the one who has two belts, but this became a title of honor for her. And Nabi Islam said to her, Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with a belt of Jannah in return. This was glad tidings of Jannah itself. But then the very astonishing thing this was, after Nabi Islam left from Makkah Mukarramah, they initially stayed for three days in the cave. 
God is told they remain there for three days. And Asma radiallahu ta'ala anha, at night, number one at night, at that time she was in the condition that she was expecting a child. And at night, in this condition that she is in a family way, she would take the food, or whatever they took was for the day, small little amount, that for the ongoing days, while the kuffar were out in their numbers looking for the Prophet and there was a bounty of a hundred camels. Anybody finds them dead or alive, hundred camels. So what a dangerous situation it was. And she would take the food and come stealthily, quietly, and she would come and drop it off and then return. Now this shows us what courage she had. Despite being in the family way, what a difficult and dangerous situation. And then climbing a mountain at night when people are out looking and searching and she is undertaking this danger. This shows us the courage that she had. She did not succumb under the pressure. In fact, after Nabi Sallallahu left, Abu Bakr the kuffar were now looking for them everywhere. So Abu Jahl and some people came past the house of Abu Bakr and he knocked on the door. So she came and opened the door. So he asked her, where is your father? So she said, I don't know where my father is. Abu Jahl was a tyrant. He was a oppressive person. He had no, no shame. He had no morals. Despite this being a young girl, he slapped her. And he slapped her so hard that she says that it actually resulted in my earring flying out of my ear. Can you imagine the force that he slapped her with? But despite all this pressure, she still didn't succumb. And she didn't divulge the information. This shows the courage that she had and how firm and how steadfast she was. <coughs> Any case then, after some time, she also undertook this hijrah. She was still in this condition that she was expecting a child. And this was no easy journey. It was a journey of very great difficulty. It used to take weeks from Makkah, Mukarramah to Medina, Munawara on camel back, desert, no water on the way, no food, whatever provisions little bit they could carry, they would carry along. And then the kuffar are in search for anybody leaving. All these dangers were there. And in this condition, she undertook this journey of hijrah. Can you imagine what a difficult task this was? And what a difficult journey. And she barely reached Kuba. And when she reached Kuba, that Hazrat uh, Abdullah bin his son was born. So she passed this, she undertook this hijra, journey of hijrah in this condition that she was in the last stages of this pregnancy. So can we imagine what a difficult time this was? And what a difficult journey this was? But this shows us the courage of the woman. This shows what a woman she was. That she did not succumb to the, to the pressure of the time. She did not take this as something insurmountable and complain and say, well, this is beyond me or become despondent or become lose hope. Nausbillah, people become suicidal in these kind of situations. She was firm, she was steadfast and she comes to Kuba. When her child is born, the first thing she does, she brings the child to Rasulullah and Nabi takes the child and then he takes a date and he chooses the date and he puts the date into the mouth of and this is the first thing that enters his belly, that piece of date which was mixed with the Mubarak saliva of Rasulullah but despite all these difficulties that she underwent, she still had the consciousness, she had the frame of mind and the control of herself that she undertook all these basic necessities and whatever was necessary for her child in the way that was supposed to be done. She did not become neglectful of these things also. All this shows us what courage, what spirit she had. Then we come on to the last incident in her life that we were discussed. There were many, many incidents in her life. She is an old lady now. She is about 100 years old. She herself has become blind. Her husband has passed away. Well, she was divorced. Her husband passed away in any case. Her sister, Aisha, had passed away. And now her son, Abdullah bin Zubair, he was a support, he was a comfort. This situation came about where on the one side was Abdullah bin Zubair, his few people. Other side was Hajjaj, the tyrant. 
There was a big argument of Abdullah bin Zubayr but they all started abandoning him. And one after the other, they went to Hajjaj and asked him for uh, for peace, and they asked him to give them sanctuary. And as a result, the people deserted Abdullah bin Zubayr He finally comes to his mother, Asma She's an old lady. She's hundred years old. And this is her son. And this is her support. And he comes and asks her a question. And he says to her that you have seen what has happened, or you have come to know what has happened, that all the people have deserted me. And I'm now left alone with a very small number of people, a small handful of number of people. And I'm on the other side being offered a lot of this wealth and money and dunya, that if I accept this <coughs> and I give up this fight, then everything will be okay. I'll get this dunya also, I'll get this wealth also, and my life will be spent. So what do you say? And he's asking his mother. Which mother? The mother who is 100 years old. That mother who is blind. That mother who he is in support now. And he's saying that on the one side I got this dunya coming. My life will be spared. On the other side I will stand up for haq. I will stand up for the truth. My life will go. No dunya, my life is gone also. Your support is gone. So to say. Now here is an old lady and she is being faced with this question by her apparent support. So she replies to him and says to him, Ya Bunay, I said, you know your matter better. You know your matter better. Any case, if you know that you are fighting for the truth, and you are inviting towards the truth, then I got this advice for you, then you remain firm and remain patient. This is a summer. She said to him, that in kunta, ta, uh, in kunta ta'alamu annaka ala haq, wa tad'u ila haq, fasbir. That same summer we spoke about right at the beginning, that you remain firm, you remain steadfast, adopt summer. She loves summer, she is advising summer. And then she said to him, that people have died for the haq already, many of your companions have already given their lives for the haq. So you don't become the plaything of the of the kings and rulers of the time. They are going to make you a football, you're going to just play in their hands to accept their dunya, and then they will manipulate you. If you know what is the truth, and you are fighting for the truth, then you stick for the truth. And wa in kunta inna dunya and then she says to him, can you imagine a hundred year old woman who is blind, who is requiring the support of her son and who can see death staring at the, her son in the eye. And she said to him, that if you have really wanted dunya, then you're a terrible person. You're a most despicable person. You've destroyed yourself and all those who have lost their lives fighting with you, you've destroyed them also. So if you are on the truth, then why are you becoming weak? And وَإِلَا كَمْ خُلُوْدِكَ فِي الدُّنْيَا How long are you going to stay in the dunya? If not today, then tomorrow. If not tomorrow, the next day. الْقَتْلُ أَحْسَنْ Who is saying this? A mother is saying it to her son. Which mother? Not that mother who is all snug and comfortable. A mother who needs the support of that son. She's a blind woman, 100 years old. She's saying to her son, it's better that you give your life now then. If dunya is what you want, then you're a terrible person. But if you're fighting for deen, then you'd rather give your life now. Because if it's not today, it's tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, the day after. So what is the use then now? How long are you going to try to avoid this? This is the lesson we learn as parents, that what kind of guidance we are to be giving our children. That to guide them towards deen. Not to be encouraging them that dunya is everything. Unfortunately, nowadays, such encouragement is given towards dunya that the child grows up thinking that dunya is the be all and end all. And I can sacrifice and compromise on deen, but not on dunya. If deen gets sacrificed, deen gets compromised, that's something fine. But dunya cannot be compromised. Whereas here is a mother saying, if you are after dunya, you're a terrible person. Can you imagine a mother saying this to her son in this time and age? You want dunya, you're a terrible person. 
Abdullah bin Zubair says to her that, Oh my mother, don't ever fala tada'i ad-du'a'a qablu wa la ba'duli. Oh my mother, don't ever leave out du'a neither now or not after I am martyred. Please keep making du'a for me. She replied and said, La ada'ahu, la ada'ahu abada. I will never, I have never, I will never ever leave du'a for you. This is a lesson that du'a for our children. We many a times have many issues, many complaints about the children. But the question to ask ourselves is that do we do what we are supposed to do? Sometimes things become very complicated. But despite that, do we make dua? This is among the most important things. Together with whatever other means that we have to adopt, how much of dua do we make? And here is a mother who is saying to her son that I will never leave this. I keep making dua for you and I will keep making dua for you. In any case then, Abdullah bin Zubair gets martyred. When he gets martyred, Hajjaj, he sends a message to his Asmaa and he calls for her. He says, I'm not coming. Hajjad sent a message that you rather come, otherwise I will send somebody who will drag you by the plaits of your head and bring you. So she says, you can send, I am not coming, you can send somebody who will drag me by the plaits of my head and bring, you to, bring me to you. Can you imagine this answer to a tyrant of this nature? Hajjad became very upset at this, but then nevertheless he came himself. And then he said, did you see what I did? with your son. So she said, well, what you have really done with my son is that you have made his akhirat for him. In other words, you martyred him. You martyred him, so you made his akhirat. And you destroyed your own dunya. By martyring him, he went to Jannat. But don't think you got away. You destroyed yourself. And then Hajjad said that he said something in a derogatory way. She said, don't you worry about that. I have been given the glad tidings of Jannah. And then Nabi has already foretold about the two people that would cause great amount of mischief in the Ummah. And the one person was who he had foretold about was Musaylam al-Ghazab, the other was the Mubil, that is you. She told him straight on his face. Nabi has foretold already this, that these two people would come and they would create havoc in the Ummah, you are the other person. So don't think you are going to get away from all this. In any case, then Hajjaj felt ashamed, he left her and went away. But this was the way in which he encountered this great tyrant of the time. She did not succumb in front of his pressure as well. Eventually, she passed away. Allah gave her the high stages in Jannah. These were some of the lessons that she gave us from her life the lessons of perseverance, of courage, of intelligence, of using one's mind, of being diplomatic not succumbing under pressure, not getting carried away by emotions, by adopting and embracing summer at every stage of life and taking things in one stride. Having the courage and taking it in one stride, this is the way that the burdens of dunya become light. And this is the way in which a person passes this journey of life in a fairly comfortable way. The difficulties, the challenges, everybody feels, we are all human beings, we also feel the pain, the hurt, she also was a human being, but she taught us how to take things in our stride and to turn to Allah Taala. what are the lessons to give our children, what kind of upbringing to give them, this is the things that then bring coolness to our eyes and coolness to us in dunya and the akhirat. When she passed away, she was well over 100, in fact she was Beyond, well beyond 100 in any case and despite that old age she did not waver in any way, she remained steadfast to the last moment, as a result today we are taking all this inspiration from her life these lessons are to be implemented in our lives it's not just for the sake of some storytelling or just for some historical facts but these are inspirational lessons which we need to implement in our lives الله تبارك وتعالى كيف ستوفيك وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصيك عليك ربك ما أثنيت على نفسك يزل الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله 
اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب امورنا بالخير بيدك الخير انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله